Hello, and welcome to On the Right Track podcast. On the Right Track is a podcast by two South Asian debut authors, Emily Varga and Sara M. Rana, that addresses the little-known secrets of publishing, marketing, and behind the scenes of traditional publishing. We interview guests who are in different stages, jobs, or careers in the traditional publishing industry in order to provide our listeners with an insider's look. Hello, and welcome to On the Right Track pod. We are so excited to welcome Jonathan Sanchez to the podcast today. Jonathan grew up in Charlotte and went to West Charlotte High School and then Yale University. He's the author of the short story collection, Bandit, um, and he is the two-time winner in the SC Fiction Project and former writer-in-residence at the Kerouac House in Orlando. He lives in Charleston with his wife and family, where he wrangles the three-headed beast that is Blue Bicycle Books, Y'all Fast Young Adult Book Festival, and Rite of Summer, a writing camp for kids. And Blue Bicycle Books has been connecting readers and writers for more than two decades. It is Charleston's premier locally owned bookstore. Founded in 1995 as Boomer's Books, it became Blue Bicycle Books in April 2007. Great name change. When local writer and longtime employee Jonathan Sanchez bought the store, the bookstore is a New York Times reporting shop and hosts a long-running Piccolo's Boletto Reading, an annual Bridge Run show staff reading, a writing camp for kids that runs all summer, and of course, Y'all Fest, Charleston's Young Adult Book Festival, which annually draws uh, 70 top YA authors and 12 thousand fans. Welcome, Jonathan. That's a lot of information packed yeah. into those two bios. You're a busy person. <laughs> yeah, it sounds bigger than it is, but thank you. Uh, I don't think so. I think it's pretty big. Um, uh, so we always start all our guests off um, to kind of give our listeners uh, to situate kind of your story. Can you give us a quick rundown about your journey with Blue Bicycle Books and your journey into how Yalfest came into being and the relationship between the two? Sure. So like I worked at the uh, after college at the newspaper here, the Post and Courier. I left that in 97, got a job here in 98. That was when I was really doing a lot of writing and working with kids and so I did that for a long time, and then I bought the store in 07. When you were working there, what made you want to take over the store and be a bookstore owner? Well, I mean, it was a thriving used bookstore. Being a writer, I, you know, I knew a lot of, there were a lot of good writers in Charleston. I reached out to a lot of them for events, and that's really how the new books aspect of our business started, connecting with writers. How did you kind of lead into Y'all Fest and doing these writing festivals? I mean, it seems like you do a couple as well with the bookshop. It sounds like that might be kind of a passion of yours as well, not only the bookstore, but connecting with authors and connecting those authors to readers. Yeah, I mean, the the festival grew really organically. Margaret Stoll and Cami Garcia, who are two big YA authors, they were, were not published yet when I met them. They kind of toured around the South, a couple of moms in a minivan going around taking pictures and buying buying merch at stores and taking (laughs) it's interesting because it was very like what they were doing was very like on the one hand like social media you know but it was they literally drove around and met people and the emphasis was on the personal connection not so much about just on the the hits or the likes you mentioned that you know you were writing at the time and then you had also decided to own this bookstore what major changes do you think 
you implemented that was also inspired by your experience being a writer? It was very important when I bought the store to make money, you know, and the used book business mm-hmm. was profitable. So, so if I was going to do it, it was going to be for an author coming in and selling a bunch right then. And so that that was really the only kinds of new books we were selling is if it was for an event. And I yeah, I knew a lot of authors in town and I knew that it would be fun to highlight them. And So is that kind of what started or led into the partnership with Yalfest in terms of like doing author events? You were selling a lot of books at events and then you thought this might be a good partnership here to kind of create this event for YA authors in particular? Yeah, I mean, it really comes down to just how explosive YA is, especially back then. Yeah. Kind of got off on a tangent there about Margie and Cammy, but they had this book, Beautiful Creatures, that was coming out. And, yes. But the book had a Charleston angle. Long story short, by the second book, they were like, you know, the way YA is, they were like, oh, these guys are huge. They've got, you know, a five book deal and movies in the works. And book two came out, you know, and they came and did an event with us. And we had this book festival that already existed or had been here for one year called the Capital Book Fest. Tommy okay. Alexander ran it. It was a big hit. It was at the library. We were one of the big booksellers. It was a big day for us. And I was like, okay, now Kwame, next year, why don't you let me just do a YA part of that at the bookstore, like a young adult track. And I told Margie and Cammy about it and they were like, perfect. And they had literally had like 25 people lined up within a few weeks. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Dave Levithan and Ellen Hopkins and some big names, you know, um, yeah, so we went from there, and the other book festival ended up folding. So we just came up with a name for ours and kept going. Mm-hmm. I love that you guys decided to fill in that gap when the other one ended up folding. When it comes to preparing for not only book festivals, but author events, what does your day-to-day aspect look like? What are the major criteria or tasks that go into setting up for such a major event? We have a staff. I mean, it's a separate nonprofit. I'm the executive director, also the bookseller side of it. So that's a great part of the store. But we have a paid staff. And gosh, this year, it's knock on wood, getting to be like my dream year where I don't have to do a whole lot. That was great. <laughs> and your lineup is unreal this this coming year. Thank you. We're so happy with it. And finally, maybe having some 12, 13 years, we've gotten, gotten a little more efficient with it. It really gets going in summer. We start getting pitches from publishers. We start sort of working mm-hmm. on our, you know, we have the, the publisher pitches and we have our personal list of connections. And I think it's really important to have both. It can get a little clicky, obviously, and, you know, feelings can get hurt. And you have to be careful about that sort of thing. But it's also how you, what makes it great. You know, if you just had 70 some odd random people uh, showing up, hey, what's your name? Oh. You don't really have that feeling of like you're all at a big party together. That makes a lot of sense. I think it's really important to have at least, you know, you started off with those original 20, 25 uh, people. So you don't want to break those relations. You want to make sure that you maintain the original connections. Yes. And even when I went uh, back in 2019, I flew from Canada all the way down uh, oh, awesome. to Yalfest. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this was before I had gotten my publishing deal. But I remember that festival was what to me just changed my life, made me so inspired uh, because I got to see some of the authors from like a decade ago that had broken out in YA before YA blew up. Uh, And I really appreciated seeing people that had read when I was much, much younger, but then also seeing new and upcoming authors that, you know, had, it was their first time being at Yalfest as well. So I really liked that about the festival uh, that you kind of have some of the staple authors, but also a lot of new ones. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I, you know, I'm the old guy, obviously, so I'm always like, oh, let's get Judy Bloom. And, you know, having R.L. Stein one year was amazing. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. There are people, you know, who are 
old season Y authors at 26 with 10, 11 bucks, you know, they're you know, so <laughs> high energy, young, often young group of writers getting caught deals out of college, you know, like Veronica Roth or Chloe Gong getting deals in college. And, well, it's crazy. Sarah as well, I think. Uh, oh, really? She's still at university. So in terms of, okay, so you have the staff for Y'all Fest, and I think it's, it's and this is an interesting interview because there's kind of really two pillars that we can talk about here because there's Blue Bicycle Books that also does author events and you're still doing those and you're the owner of those. Um, we've had other indie bookstore uh, event coordinators come on the podcast, and I'm assuming you would have that with Blue Bicycle as well, or do you have a hand in running the events at the store too. Oh yeah, I got a hand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we've done so many events over the years and after COVID, I guess for whatever reason, we didn't feel the need to prove ourselves and keeping the festival going was, was a little tricky. So our events mellowed for a while. We've got a pretty hot fall coming up. Yeah. I, so, I mean, honestly, it's it's like, are the books ordered? That You'd be surprised how all that one mm-hmm. aspect of an event is the most important thing. Oh, we hear the horror stories from other authors <laughs> when their books aren't, aren't there. And it just sounds so heartbreaking. So that's very appreciated that that's like top on your list. <laughs> well, I mean, I've done well You have 70 odd authors and 300 titles and 3,000 volumes, you know, and you've had wow. debut authors crying in the back, you know, oh, when something didn't show up. So it's it very personal, yeah. So yeah, that's number one. And then there's, you know, we're trying to just get back into doing better job of promoting. So I have a new staff member that seems more interested in the events. I guess she's just not jaded yet. So (laughs) can you talk about, because your bio mentioned it, how bookstores report your numbers for Mm -hmm. indie or New York Times lists? I know that a lot of authors have questions about that, or it seems like such an unknown area yeah i mean it's pretty straightforward i mean every uh i think it, today's tuesday so it's kind of the deadline is in a couple hours you simply send them the isbns and the numbers of books sold that for the previous week we haven't had any of those weird situations like where some random person is like ordering five thousand copies you know kind of that kind of thing so you know yeah it, technically if it is like a bulk buy for a school we're supposed to denote that i think but um we, we report everything, uh, you know, obviously we're a smaller store. So, and we sell like a lot of older books too. So like the, you know, the three copies of Slaughterhouse Five we sold last week are probably helping the Kurt <laughs> That makes a lot of sense. Um, it's just a lot of times, you know, authors are confused about why certain bookstores do it. Even a lot of indie booksellers don't know why some stores report and some don't. I mean, it's a pain, you know, but you do it because you want to Hopefully authors will come to you for events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And speaking of authors, we've had other indie booksellers on the podcast, as Emily mentioned, and they've talked about some do's and don'ts that they've you know, experienced working with authors or you know, running launch events. So do you have mm-hmm. any tips for authors in terms of what to do and what not to do when working with the bookstore or memorable experiences that kind of went south or were really good mm-hmm. uh, when working with authors? I mean, it really comes down to just sort of be human with the people. I mean, my booksellers really appreciate it when like authors talk to everybody. You'd be surprised how they only want to talk to me or something or connecting with the people on the desk. I'm a big like rubber meets the road guy. You know, like I really believe in like, no matter what happens, like someone has to sell your book eventually. And if you buy it on the Amazon, you know, UPS guy has to bring it. And so those are the people that really matter. Yeah. 
Well, it goes a long way, and we can sell a lot of books. Um, making a connection with someone, if you have the opportunity, why wouldn't you? Yeah, that surprises me that you say that some authors will just want to talk to you or like be really reticent about connecting yeah. with readers. But I guess I'm a I'm a double extrovert, I guess. So I, to me, that's yeah. like, oh, that's crazy. Like I would want to talk to the readers, but I guess there's lots of authors that are, you know, nervous about those interactions too. Uh, you know, I mean, I think most people are great. I mean, we get a lot of, uh, I'm trying to think do's and don'ts. I mean, we get a lot of arcs and sometimes like fun, like... Like swag? Yeah, swag. Yeah. It doesn't really do a lot for me. Sometimes my staff, like, you know, if they know, the, oh, this is really cool, or my daughter's 15 and she's, you know, working at the store and she might want it. But I don't know if other stores have this problem. Maybe it's because we sell used books, but between like the few businesses that I run here, the used mm-hmm. books that come in the mail, the arcs, we just get so much stuff. And inundated with stuff, yeah. <laughs> and so just having a bunch of stickers, unfortunately, for some book that we don't really know much about doesn't do it for me. Um, signed book plates is pretty much the only like real swag that, that we like. Yeah, we love signed books. Honestly, that's a really good tip because I feel like a lot of authors are stressed about the swag piece and like purchasing swag and having swag for their readers and giving it out. And it's almost like what you're saying is that what you weigh more as a bookseller is the connection that an author makes to other, the other booksellers, the staff at the store and the readers, and then having kind of a signed book plate over like a bunch of swag. Yeah. Yeah. Or just in the book, (laughs) this book speaks for itself. You know, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, We also had uh, another indie bookseller tell us kind of something similar, which is that a lot of times the swag, they don't know what to do with all the swag. Uh, It doesn't really help sell the book. Yeah. Do you find that, you know, like, as you said, stickers, bookmarks, you don't know how helpful they are in selling a book, but what about things like art prints? I mean, if I were um, like super organized and mellow and just waiting for things to happen, I guess I would just be like, oh, this is lovely. I'll take this cool art print, which I've gotten some really cool things over the years and get it framed. We have thousands and thousands of different things. And we know most of what we've got, you know? So, and, and for the average person these days, like coming into a bookstore, it's just so much already just coming to bookstore, so much information, so many, you know, so in general, we don't do like shelf talkers. We, we do a lot of things differently. We don't do a lot of signs saying, you know, don't put your cup here, no public restroom, you know, I'm not into this stuff. Like the books already have words on them. So people don't need more messages. So for me, any kind of extra bookmarks at the counter, that kind of thing is just, it's just more clutter for us. Um, mm-hmm. So that's my take. No, but I think that that's interesting to get different perspectives from booksellers. And honestly, you're not the first person to say that. So I don't know that it's, um, that it's a bad thing that you're saying. I think it's interesting to hear that from booksellers as authors, because they're wondering, where do they put their efforts into? You know, where do they put their money into? Where should their publisher do that? Yeah. Obviously, you run a bookstore and there was a pandemic. <laughs> And I'm sure that that impacted um, mm-hmm. Blue Bicycle Books and, and kind of how you did your business. How did the pandemic affect Blue Bicycle Books, indie bookstores, and how did you get through it? I mean, how did that kind of affect the marketing side of Blue Bicycle Books and, and how you guys existed as a bookstore? I mean, overall for us, it was largely very positive thing. I mean, you know, let's see, March 2020, we were like shut down. So this place just dark, literally. So we got that going on. Um, I'm like having change all my Ingram is shipping to my house 
we're delivering books on bike and you know all that craziness via instagram oh wow you know it wasn't really like paying the bills by any stretch but it was fun and it kind of kept us out there and i mean we were just so blessed people love bookstores and they're very sympathetic and want to support us and like oh my god you know local businesses and so you know we worked hard to keep our to keep busy with that kind of thing so y'all west happened in april of 2020 i sold the books for that year virtually that was the kind of undertaking we did. So that meant like if Victoria Averyard lives in Los Angeles, I, you know, that's one of 60 some odd people they had. We got her address. We shipped her, but we had a bunch of book plates printed that said, y'all stay home. That was the name of the festival at Y'all stay home. Uh, I love that. Oh, I love that. 40 book plates. She signed them. Tried not to smear them. Shipped them back to me. Oh, wow. We shipped them to them from Ingram directly. And then we shipped them a signed book plate. Wow. Wow. Times 80 authors. So. Yeah. I was going to say the coordination on that. Holy. Just silly. I mean, we had people in Australia. So that, that took a lot. That was a journey. So we worked really hard to set up some stuff. And that changed a lot of the way we did business, like virtually in our online stores. So we still have to do a lot with book plates now. Not as much, but we, we keep a big stack of book plates. So if we don't have your book in stock, we can still sell you a signed copy. Oh. So when you say it was largely positive, you're kind of referencing that the virtual aspect of events and you know shipping and things like that, that really kind of helped your business. Well, that was a tangent, honestly. But yeah, we did high <laughs> revenue stream. This this stayed positive because um, we did two or three virtual fests for a while there, and Got then it. we did. My staff changed over. I had three sort of veteran staffers for a long time, and they were awesome. But one of them ended up opening a store in Columbia, South Carolina. Okay. Oh wow! I got new people in, and kind of for me personally, I was able to just step back. I had you know some downtime. Yeah. Kind of get the store back to the way I kind of wanted it. Yeah. But other rare books went bananas last few years. Oh, really? People had some money that they weren't spending and traveling. And I don't know if that's mm-hmm. what it was. Yeah, that mm-hmm. articles in like the Wall Street Journal about that. I mean, yeah, we yeah. we also talked to even like book boxes. We've we've had them on the podcast as well, and that seems to be almost like an offshoot of it as well. I don't know if it would have done the same, you know, mm-hmm. post pandemic. But people are just really interested now more in the reader experience, the beautiful books, the special editions, like the ones that mm-hmm. sit on their shelves and like look gorgeous. And that seems to be kind of like an offshoot from the pandemic too. So it's interesting when you say rare books and things like that, that's almost like that same reader experience. Like it has changed in that people are really valuing that more and more. It seems to have done well for, for bookstores as well. Yeah, and that, I mean that played right into my into my wheelhouse, and that's our that's our whole philosophy. Yeah, people want to read and have. Mm-hmm. I was just mm-hmm. in Japan for a few weeks. They have like a whole street of bookstores, um, and they're all just rare, vintage, or like collectible books. Um, and it's a huge thing over there. And I feel like people are slowly getting back into that, even here in Canada and then in America as well. Uh, because like I'm on TikTok, like Emily and I both are on TikTok, and most of these like TikTok girls, they love showing like rare manuscripts or like old dark academia vibe kind of aesthetic. Okay. Um, yeah. And it's a lot of like rare manuscripts or old books that I think is starting to make a trend on social media. I don't know how I feel about it, but it's something that I've noticed recently. Yeah, I mean they're wonderful things. We we I deal them every day, and that's my favorite part of the business. I mean. You know, it's kind of my dirty secret is I'm not a big new books person. (laughs) 
I mean, you're an English major. I feel like that's not really a dirty secret. <laughs> I know. As a middle-aged white guy, I hate to be like, I don't read anything new, but I mean, it's <laughs> I do read a lot of things that are like 10 years ago. That's it's still really beloved. Mm-hmm. And obviously I read things from authors coming and that sort of thing. How did the pandemic also spur marketing tactics? Yeah, I mean, I guess the thing for us is, I mean, we, while events have been still really big, we've always been about the in-store experience. We don't, we don't sell online, like we don't have a catalog of rare books online. We, we sell all the, like the Yalfest authors online and events online, that sort of thing. My store is on a historic street that's gotten very popular lately. So the point being that marketing for us is not is almost kind of done for us in terms of the amount of foot oh. traffic we're going to get. rent. So I'm mostly just about what can I do when people come in to be like, wow, this place is awesome. I want to buy something. And I'm going to come back. Yeah. I mean, we do get a lot of very social media buzz and kind of, oh, I've heard of this place. and But it's we don't really pay for a lot of marketing. Our social media is... Pretty, I just try not to get too bogged down in it. I mean, mm-hmm. um, but we, you know, we post things and things get around. But yeah, I really like how you focus on the reader experience, and I guess a lot of indie bookstores do. But then sometimes you go in to indie bookstores and they don't have that focus, and they have a large like kind of online presence and stuff like that, which is still cool. And that was an offshoot of the pandemic, but it has seemed to have swung the other way, where now we're saying, okay, let's go to these bookstores and like kind of really you know, attend these events and have these in-person experiences. We did have an author on our podcast say that she has noticed on tours that there's a lot less attendees of people coming out to events and things like that. Have you noticed that? I mean, it kind of depends on what it, who it is and what it is. You know, and we've always used that joke from The Onion about, you know, the author gives it her all, if even if it's a small gathering of three or a huge mm-hmm. crowd of nine, nine people. <laughs> I would say, I don't think it's really hurt too much. I mean, I would say the pandemic has hurt attendance. Um, we, we've just been a little bit more selective in our events. I mean, the office mm-hmm. is bananas attendance. And- mm-hmm. Well, I would imagine even with the, well, with the lineup, I've, I think I'm in a bunch of group chats and suddenly all my group chats like lit up and they're like, have you seen this lineup? Like I'm going oh, for sure. Like, and yeah. everyone's been so, so excited. And on that yeah. um, kind of note, I did see other people being like, how do you get invited to y'all fest as an author? Like, yeah. can you speak on that and how, authors are chosen and you know what goes into choosing an author every year um do you just get pitched authors or do you guys go out and seek authors well we get everything i mean we have people who pitch us cold we have people who pitch us from publishers i mean we have a lot of publisher sponsors so we we could pitch those and we are still really selective in those it's uh, making a really good really diverse festival really just good mix of, of genres and whatever's hot and then, like I said, you know, there's also the two, you know, our chairs and who they know and people that they know will make for that kind of convivial party weekend atmosphere. I I mean, I've certainly had people, especially like local authors that all say, oh, we got to have this person. But I, it's been even from the get go. It's not been about me and my taste. So I let them do their job, really. And just kind of guide them a little bit. Okay, so I guess you get pitched by authors, and then there's sometimes like it might be personal connection, or someone reaches out, and you're like, "Yeah, we should have this person." But like, largely, is it like kind of like a democratic process where you're like, you've got your pitches, and you're all sitting down, and you're like, "What makes a 
a, a festival that's balanced? And what is the thought process that kind of goes into it? Balanced in every way. Um, yeah. I think they've done a really good job with that the last few years, um, or I mean, all along. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, middle grade is big. I mean, we get so many, like the average, like attendee, I always sort of joke or whatever that is like the average person who comes to the office is like from a small town in Tennessee. You know, like, is that true? Oh my God. I didn't know that. That's kind of my the prototypical person. And, you know, they're coming to see Lee Bardugo. Yeah. And that's awesome. And then, so I, you know, I teach a writing camp and my kids are kids. And, you know, we know a lot of young families here. And yeah. I'm like, you know, so like 70% of our attendees are from out of state. Yeah. Or out of town. And I'm like, come on, you know, let's get some local people in. So the middle grade yeah. does, helps a lot your steward kids and so you're saying you're balancing it with like mg middle grade and like ya as well like kind of all the the gamut of like children's literature when you're looking at the balance yeah and the panels of course too are important they, they have a diversity of you know contemporary versus um yeah sci-fi. and like fantasy and stuff and balancing that yeah. So what is Blue Bicycle Books' role during Y'all Fest? Yeah, that's a great question because it's a really fun hybrid, I think, yeah. of, of how the fest works and that, like, this is the Y'all Fest office, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, that's maybe. true. So my team is, takes a lot, you know, we have a, it's great to have a store running a festival, even though my team here isn't really a festival staff because they can take phone calls, um, book orders. So it's like... Yeah, it's very um, integrated and we're, we're sort of the hub of activity. All the volunteers come here. I mean, it grew literally out of our parking lot. We just happen to have a bunch of great things we can rent within a block of us. So it's been really neat to see it just kind of become a giant book signing, basically, mm -hmm. <laughs> times seven. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Yeah, and I like the hybrid nature of the kind of the bookstore and the festival kind of symbiotically. Yeah, I mean, the books alone are, that's why I was saying I'm happy that my the office team is things are really taking, doing such a great job as always this year, and I'm not doing as much. And because the books alone are a massive undertaking. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I actually wanted to ask, uh, because not only are you part of the team when it comes to Y'all Fest, but you're managing this bookstore. So over the years, how has your role evolved in terms of mm -hmm. organizing Y'all Fest, but also managing the bookstore? Well, I mean, there's a lot of connections and co coordination to be done. You know, if Cassandra Clare has specific requirements about her signing, we're going to listen to those because she's a huge draw. And you have so many authors, some of whom have 10, 15 books. So the ordering process takes a week or so. Just lock yourself in a room. And my staff does an amazing job of having like a whole database of every book. When did it come out? How, well, is it selling? How, you know, all this information. And we do our best to put an order together and, and, you know, fire off all these orders to publishers. And we got to follow, follow through on them and get the books in. And then we have to shuffle them out to the tent on Saturday morning. And so, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a lot of high energy, a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's great once people really all the volunteers start showing up. That's when things really get going. Do you have any memorable events from Y'all Fest or from Blue Bicycle Books that you can share with us that just really stick out in your mind? Oh, gosh. I mean, we've done a lot of off-sites. So we've sold books in all kinds of weird places, you know, people's living rooms and restaurants and out in a field somewhere, probably done that one. <laughs> I mean, the guy that really put us on the map, who, if y'all are you're both Canadian, is that right? Yeah. Pat Conroy, he's not as familiar up there, perhaps, but mm -hmm. um, he's a he's famous really Southern author in the last 40, 50 years. And he did, never really lived in Charleston, but he a big Charleston figure. He did like memoirs, right? Is that? Um, he did his book called Water Water is Wide. Wide. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I've read that one. 
Um, by the time I bought the store in 08, this is actually kind of a funny story. I was at a writer in residence five years earlier at the Jack Kerouac house in Orlando, where I got to spend a summer there just writing. That's awesome. Yeah. And Pat had just come out with a, a memoir called My Losing Season about basketball. And in there, he had talked about how, because he was a military brat, how he traveled around, but Orlando was like his favorite place that he ever stayed. Oh. And for so, so I was like, oh, I'll write him and, you know, I'll make connections and it'll be cool and we'll be best buddies. So I write him this letter. Hey, I'm at the Kerouac house and, you know, they'd love to have you down here sometime. And, you know, really cool about Orlando. So five years later, I'm married and a kid. Uh, I've got the bookstore. My life has changed a lot. Yeah. yeah. The bookstore. Pat has his first big book coming out and for, since forever, really, South Abroad. I get a phone call from him like that fall. Hey, it's Pat Connery. I just saw you. Know, I found your letter. What? <laughs> Five years later? In 2003. Yeah, just one of those people always wanted to get, get back to everybody. That's wild. Yeah. I That's love so that. This is straight out of a novel. <laughs> yeah, I still don't really understand it. But, um, <laughs> and I was like, well, I happen to be on a bookstore now and uh, you want to come and sign your massive new novel. <laughs> so. So he did come. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, I mean, the poor guy was, he'd already been a lot of health issues. By yeah. The way. He, he drove up from Beaufort um, an hour or so away. We stick him out in this parking lot in a, under a tent that we rented. It's rainy and cold. He spent like five, six hours out there. Maybe longer. Oh, my God. That's cool. Talks to everybody. You know, hundreds of books sold, but um, really put us on the map. And we ended up doing three other events with them. And that was a huge, huge change for us. So, I uh, mean, that's a big deal. I, I want to give like a big belated <laughs> yeah. congratulations for that. Yeah, it's really cool. That yeah. must have been like, I would have been starstruck um, if mm. I were in your shoes. Oh, yeah, we were. It was weird. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. That's amazing. Uh, and I'm like smiling just like hearing you talk about it. Um, mm -hmm. If I had like my literary idol uh, come into like my bookstore, I think I'd faint. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's celebrities always tell stories about weird things people say to them. I'm like, that's because you're celebrities. Yeah, you make us feel special, mm. weird, and we're gonna act <laughs> and probably say something we shouldn't. You know? David Sedaris came and signed <sighs> socks. Oh my god, I would die if I met David Sedaris. <laughs> <laughs> like, he didn't want his picture taken, but I'd like hired a photographer, so it kind of compromised. And I got a great picture out of it. Got an angry phone call from his publicist the next day. Oh my god, um, why? Because <laughs> you took a picture. He's really strict about no pictures. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, that's so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. worth it for David Sedaris, Victor. Uh, he's forgave us because we've done multiple things with him. So oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> I wanted to ask, because we do ask this question of all of our guests, and I think it's really relevant to indie bookstores because we live in a time, and I don't know if this is the case in the U.S., I must be similar to Canada, where a lot of indie bookstores are folding, you know, going under, it's a hard business model to keep running. Um, you know, big bookstores are kind of taking over, but even they're struggling in some ways. And it seems that you've got all these kind of hybrid things going on where you're doing really well, but have you learned any hard truths when you've been working in the indie bookstore space or even the, the you know festival event space i'm just a big believer in that you know you do what you do when you have the time to do it and yeah i mean everyone has regrets but, you know i can just think of small stuff like with pat conroy i learned quickly when you have an author like that you don't like if he's signing stock you lock the door because everyone's a friend no <laughs> I've been really, I think the nice thing about bookstores is you can, for me anyways, we kind of just keep shaping it to what makes you happy. And I love walking in and feeling like what a beautiful store for any small business that's, you know, 
good morning, beautiful business is, is kind of the fun. You want to have that in your heart. That's super important to us is to make it really just aesthetic and sharp. Yeah, and inviting to people. Oh, I mean, do you ever, like on your travels, like do you go to other indie bookstores and go, oh, like that's really great. We're going to steal that. All the time, yeah. And, you know, I, I swear, I mean, I've never gotten more confident. I used to go and just go, oh, well, they've got so much good stuff here. Now I feel pretty good about my <laughs> Now you go and you're like, mm, ours is better. <laughs> Oh my God, bookstore beef. Store. <laughs> bookstore beef. <laughs> I was just talking to someone that make a big deal about, please put your coffee here. And like, oh, yeah. I just, I can't walk around with it. You know, like, come on, mm-hmm. like, guys, listen up. We're yeah. No public restrooms. It's fine. Yeah. People get so engaged going into bookstores. You have to realize like, yeah. there's a weird dynamic. You have books behind you. People feel like you're just like looking down on them automatically. So you, we really try to cut through that if possible. Mm-hmm. So like that's definitely my thing is like and and I mean I'm 50 so this has been true for a while but like most of my customers are younger than me and some of them buy rare books it's great you know I love you guys talked about that earlier I love just seeing people come in and getting engaged and not being feeling fusty and because mm. it can be very it can go very especially buying stuff people feel like I'm this downtown snob um, you know you don't want to come across as snobby and, and they can go the other way quickly too people be, you know, it's a very fine line you don't want people like oh this guy you know i'll test his knowledge mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> i've never thought about that that's so interesting so people like quizzy oh yeah if you're listening out there if you want to come across as really erudite talk about the translation of a book oh it's the constant garrett oh, it's not my favorite translation <laughs> Jonathan, you have been a delight. Thank you so much. Our final round of questions is like a fast round. So I'll start. Um, what is your top book recommendation right now? Someone's coming into your store and they're saying, I need you to recommend me a book. I just read the um, Great Railroad Bazaar. Okay. Which I don't know why I would recommend that. It's very weird and dark. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> the first thing that came in your head. You're like, yes, this one. I like that. I like the energy. Okay, next question. Tea or coffee? Um, uh, mostly tea. I love coffee, but it doesn't. I can't. I can't sleep. Mm-hmm. Good answer. Tea. Yeah. Tea it is. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your favorite genre to read? Uh, a lot of nonfiction these days. Like really, travel memoir. Travel memoir. Oh, very specific. I'll need recommendations later. Top tip for an author at an event: Bring pens, mm-hmm. and um, you know, don't rely on the bookstore. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, I don't know how they do it. Honestly, I mean, I would get exhausted talking to all those people. Um, so, know your limits, mm-hmm. I guess, maybe, so you don't wear yourself out. For sure. What is your favorite place to read? I have. We have a mountain place, and there's a chair upstairs that I like. But oh, I, love I that. wish it was downstairs. <laughs> yeah. Okay, out of all the years, what has been your favorite year of Y'all Fest? That's pretty easy. Last year was our biggest, most audacious year, but the year before was probably Oh, so that would be 2021? Oh. Coming back after pandemic. We had a bunch of debuts because we had two years of debuts to pull from. Yeah. So all these really grateful, energetic young people. It was just very author-driven. Everyone went to the panels. It was just really organic and and fun and mellow and Mm -hmm. it was yeah it was like i knew we could never have that again most of the publishers couldn't travel so all the extra swag kind of stuff was died down a little bit it was Mm -hmm. all about the books and oh that's so interesting and i love the shade of publisher stop ruining the fun (laughs) we love them and we love all their money and their sponsorship last year was amazing i mean just for me i feel that what is your favorite part about being a bookseller? I like buying rare books and used books. I like shopping for them. Mm. Do you have that affliction where you shop for them, but then you're like, oh, I don't want to 
sell this in the store. Like, I want to keep it. Pretty good about that. Yeah, pretty good about that. You know, like, usually, like, this book, this Napal book, like, well, see, it's got, like, a loose page, so that's great, so I can't sell it. <laughs> so you find uh-huh. books that you can keep. <laughs> yeah, like, just... It's not sellable, but I can read it. It's perfect. For That's me. so funny. I love that. Okay. Winter or summer? Winter. Oh, nice. You're a writer and you did your residency and all that stuff. Do you have a writing tip? Um, I think it's great to write by hand. Oh, I love that. I agree. I feel like this just inspired me to try drafting my next chapter by hand. I want to do it more, but my wrist just cramps because I, I do like yeah. a lot of um, like sports and stuff. So I'm like very careful about my wrist. But you know what? I'll give it a go. Oh, this one's a spicy mm. question. It is. Favorite bookstore besides your own? Oh, my God. Um uh, we'll go with City Lights in California. Oh, City Lights. Ah. It's, a, it's a legendary store. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Okay, I'm going to go. Um, well, Jonathan, it has been amazing to chat all things indie bookstores and Y'all Fest with you. Thank you so much for generously donating your time to us. And it was lovely to chat to you. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been a joy. Thank you for listening to On The Right Track Podcast. Visit us online on Instagram at On The Right Track Podcast. Subscribe, leave a review, rate, and share with a friend wherever you listen. This show is hosted by Emily Varga and Sarah Mughal Rana. Our editor is Abby Cirquitella. If you'd like to support us, please visit the links in our show notes to find more about how. 